0: good morning morning. great to see you today you know every time we come together on a Sunday morning um, the word tells us that when we gather in Jesus name there he is with us yes we are a temple of the Holy Spirit And so he's with us always. But there is something unique and powerful when we come together in the shared spirit. And you can have confidence when you come in that he is here in such a, a beautiful way. And yet there are times when it's just more evident. We call it manifest presence. When it's like He's not more here. We just become more aware of Him here. And I think today, um, just the way, every week we try to be very intentional about the songs that are sung, feeding into the message, and all of that. I don't know if you even realize that, but we are. We're very intentional about that. I just feel like today, I I felt, even before first service, even as I was studying my sermon, I just kind of felt like it was going to be a little bit different, and um, we have a nice handout. I hope that you uh, have grabbed. I hope you take that home. Um, it's it's got a it's got a real nice sermon in here, and you know what? I'm not even going to get through half of it, and that's okay. Because I just want to just try to kind of do something a little bit out of the ordinary today, and just kind of have one of those talks. You ever had those talks? I'm having those talks a lot with Keegan lately. You know, and sometimes I'm looking at I'm thinking, I say it to him, I say, Keegan, <laughs> I hope these talks are helpful, you know, like I hope it's getting through, you know. He's just at that age where he's almost a teenager. But you're just communicating with them things now. You're trying to talk through hey, this is why, and, this is, and you just hope that it's, it sinks in, right? And that it takes hold, and, and he remembers what you're trying to tell him about decision-making and, and, and all of that, and I just kind of want to do one of those today. It was kind of different in the first service, and I just want to do that. Um, uh, and so if you are one of those people that you just can't live without the blanks being filled in, You can get online and you can go to our app and you can, all of these blanks are on there. I mean, as far as what goes in that blank. Um, Because I'm gonna be honest, as I've thought about this this week, got a whole section on how God reveals his love to us through this, 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 and this in scripture. I'm gonna tell you, the church I think's done a wonderful job of singing songs of preaching messages of communicating this idea that that God loves us. I think we've done a good job. We might have done a poor job talking about the holiness of God, the justice of God. We've probably not said those things enough or done a a good enough job in in, um, explaining that and talking about that, but the love of God is not something that if you looked overall at the church right now over the last 30, 40 years, we've done a great job of talking about this, about the love of God. And so I feel like today, what I could have presented to you, um, it would have been very easy for you and I just to kinda go on autopilot. I'm saying the right things, you're acknowledging, yeah, yes, yes, in your mind. Or maybe you're thinking about lunch, I don't know. I can't tell what's going on in your brain. But, um, you know, and we would have had one of those moments where we walked out, and it's like, yep, God loves me. Got it. And yet, we've talked about it ad nauseum. And yet, we desperately still are longing to experience love, to know love. Love. I think there's some reasons for that, and I just kind of want to just, this isn't like a, a great um, systematic or logical approach to the whole subject. This is just really quite practical, hopefully, just, just talking to you a little bit about this. This song is what I thought about when I was putting this together, and I'm not this old, but um, I think this song says exactly the sentiments honestly at the depth of every soul in this world every heart in this world you might recognize this some of you are going to recognize this so Keep singing. <laughs> I wanted to sing. I wanted to sing it, and I thought, ah, I could get started on the wrong tune, and this could be a disaster. The what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Honestly, that is the sentiment of this world. At the core of who we are as people, there is a universal need for love. Universal need. Think about it. I have, I and you have never met a person who is not looking for love. As soon as I say that, I start wanting to sing, looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) My mind does stupid stuff like that up here. You know that already, and I'm going to start singing that too. Think about it. From the moment you came out of the womb, you were looking for someone to hold you, feed you, protect you, love you. It's amazing how we have, we've always known this, but it's more and more the effects on an infant, a toddler of affection. A, a baby that's held, touched, loved on. What does that build in their life already? Security, Right? From the earliest moments, all of us have longed to be loved. As you got older, it was this desire to have, to look into somebody's eyes and to be able to hear those words, you matter, you're significant, you're secure with me. Or what we, we just long for things like when we fail, when we blow it, and all of us have done that, For people in our lives to love us even in our failure and mistakes. To look at us and say, it's okay, I forgive you, I'm still for you. That's what we long for. It's this universal need for love. And I would echo what she sings. What the world needs is love, sweet love. Fact number two about love it's a universal need. There's a universal solution. God is very clear when he says that he loves all people everywhere and he longs to meet the deepest needs of their heart for love. You can't understand what this is all about when you, uh, unless you understand that God is love and his desire is to have a love relationship with his creation, right? Right? And God is saying, listen. I've demonstrated my love in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the one who comes and he models the love of God. What is God like? That was always has always been the question. What is he like? Well, then he reveals himself in this full revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is God like? Well, he is Jesus. And you can't help but read through the Gospels and see a God who loves people, who heals, who meets people at their, at their worst moments and offers them hope. A God who goes to the worst places and associates with the, the, uh, the, the worst people. And never shares a sense of, of judgment or there is not an ability for them to be loved by him, right? That's, he models this love of God. He is the solution. He not only models it, he's teaching about it, right? What do I know about God? Well, what did Jesus teach about himself, about God, Jesus would teach things like to to God, his creation that's lost and broken, well, God looks at it like a lost coin or a lost sheep or a lost son, right? And Jesus is helping us understand the love that God has for us through his teaching, how God is pursuing us always. He's not content that people are lost and disconnected to him, and he will go to unbelievable lengths to pursue them think about the story of the lost son the prodigal son it's really the story of two lost sons a religious son and a wayward son but both were lost and remember God pursues that young man when he starts to walk home it, that's God and God teaches about his love Jesus teaches and then Jesus demonstrates God's love right at the cross Do you want to know what love actually looks like? Here I am, taking your place, taking your sin, offering myself. And God is the solution to this universal need. You and I recognize that there's a tragic disconnect. There's a disconnect that so many people struggle to experience the love of God. And there's reasons for that. There's reasons why, uh, one is just, quite honestly, there's a number of people in this world who have no idea that this is the kind of God that created them. And so they don't don't know that he loves them, so they can't receive it into their life because they don't know, right? Right? There's people who, who have heard and know about it, but they have yet to receive it into their life because just quite honestly, it sounds too good to be true and to accept the love of God into your life is to go contrary to how we are as fallen people. To not earn something, to receive by faith, to be given a gift that we don't deserve and that's better than anything we could imagine just goes contrary to the human um, uh, condition. No, I need to pay for that. No, I need to earn that. No, I need to be worthy of that. No, I need to have, come right? And so, so many people don't receive it because just quite honestly, it sounds like a fairy tale. It's too good to be true. That's not my life. That's not my nine to five rubber meets the road. I can't really grab a hold of that because it's, that's just crazy. God offers this love. And then there's people who, have experienced, have received God's love, but struggle to experience on a daily basis. And I feel like probably that's this general population this morning is where we live. I know it's where I live at times. I I know God loves me. I've received it into my life but at times it can be difficult to experience it on a daily basis. A lot of it's because of uh, a few things. Our framework for understanding love has come from our relationships here on this earth. Our moms, our dads, our, our, our relationships with people, and that is very flawed. I've thought about my own life. I grew up in a very loving home. My mom was, was big on, or my dad too, but my mom was like, you just got to understand her family. Like you could not leave her, my grandma's house without getting hugged and kissed about three times. I'm just going to the grocery store, grandma. That's the kind of environment it was. So I, I know that I, I, t- so I told him this morning if, if I end up in the slammer tonight, guess who's gonna show up? Mom and dad. There's an unconditional, there's an unconditional aspect to their love where I'm their child. Right? And yet, going up in that environment, because of our fallen, broken world and our flawed uh, our flawed humanity, even people like our parents, we still, it seeps into our thinking, our minds, this conditional aspect to love. And and, and I still, still, to this day, have thoughts and maybe some struggles or something that for someone to love me, I must perform a certain way, or I must live out a certain thing, I must earn this and that, and definitely for God to love me, I need to be, I need to follow this, 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 and this about what He says. And the, one of the flawed, I keep using that word, I don't know why. One of the broken things of humanity is we quickly gravitate to a conditional understanding of love. And our world is full of it. I love you if you do this for me. Right? And so for us to grab a hold and experience day in and day out this love of the Father, this unconditional love of the Father can be a difficult Thing to do. Henry Nowen, um, one of the just crazy, uh, uh, insightful voices in Christian literature over the last hundred years, interesting story of, of who Henry Nowen is, but um, when he speaks, you and I should pay attention, because this guy gave his life in such a profound way, and this is what he says. Over the years, I have come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection. Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way that they are a part of a much larger temptation to self-rejection when we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable. When we have voices that say you are not worthy, when we carry in our hearts shame and guilt and a sense that we are unlovable, he goes on to say, success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions to the sense of us feeling not worthy, unlovable, shame, and guilt, and all these things. These are are perceived as attractive solutions to fill the void, to make us feel significant. And all of that, he said, The real trap, however, is self rejection. Self rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that God calls us the beloved. We are beloved in Christ. And now, and finishes by saying this being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. You are the beloved. This is what First John says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then he like affirms it. And that is what we are. It's like the Holy Spirit knew that you and I are going to say, what? I'm loved like that much? No way. He's saying, guess what? That is exactly who you are. And I would testify in my own life after about 20 years of walking with Christ, of of having a turn uh, of my life uh, from going this way to that way to following Jesus and in my attempt to give all that I am and all that I have and walking with him and learning how to have a relationship with him and then being called to ministry and then doing this and surrounded by this and you know, being used in his kingdom, all these things that if you look back over my life, the biggest thing that I am always coming to grips with is this reality, this reality. After all this stuff so far, and hopefully a lot more, for a lot more years. It's simply in this phrase. It's coming to accept and believe that God really loves me completely apart from my performance. Completely apart from my performance. I know probably some of you are like... You're wasting my time. I just want to maybe do like a diagnosis here. I'm going to throw some things out that I believe reveal to us if you and I are living in this love that God has for us. It's like On your dashboard, right, the light pops up. Or if you like, my tire light is always on. Anybody else like that? Well, they messed up at the the car place and the sensor won't work, so I don't ever know if I have a flat tire or not because it's just always on. Um, These things can kind of be indicators. Am I in a healthy perspective and experience to the love of God? And I think these things kind of help us to to once again take pause this morning. And I'm not telling you anything new. You've been told a thousand times God loves you. You've thought about the cross a thousand times. But are you really allowing it to go from here, 18 inches to here? For those that have longer necks, it's a little bit longer because that is where we live, and this is what God longs for us to experience, not just an intellectual, and that's what I'm doing today. That's my only hope, is to talk about thoughts and ideas and realities, but I cannot do a thing about this in your life. It is on you to take from the head and allow to saturate and and engage and experience in your heart this idea of the love of God. Because here's what I wanna remind you, that what the scriptures share with us about this love that God gives to us unconditionally, and I would, I would define this this way, God's love is his holy disposition. We've talked about holiness, it's other, right? It's uncommon, unordinary, not like this world. God's love is his holy, it's an other love. It's not, oh, I understand love from my mom, so I understand God. No. You, you, she might have got a piece of God's love, but his love is other than your mom's love. Okay? It is far beyond your mom's love. God's love is his other holy disposition. Your, his disposition is always to love, it's consistent. It's not, he's in a bad mood, so watch out. It's, he's having a bad week, so uh, it's always, this is just who he is. Um, Like in scripture, God's love is, it's represented in four different words, in goodness, in mercy, in grace, in long-suffering. These help us, these words and the the realities of these words, they, they fill out love for us. God is always merciful to us. God is always long-suffering with us. God is always gracious to us. Always. It's his disposition. You see, we're flawed, and I tend to think that I love my kids with all my heart, but there's times that they might question my long-suffering with them. Right? Oh, come on. They might, because I lose my patience. Are you kidding me? And so again, flawed human, expressing the best I can with love. I, and they're like, so it's easy for this conditional kind of thing to creep into place. Like, does he love me? Because he's frustrated with me right now. Well, I tell you this about God, this other love, this holy disposition, it is constant. It is always, he is always this toward all that he has created and because of the way he is it compels him it's just like you know kind of who you are just kind of comes out like i just kind of am this kind of person and so like when i get up i just kind of use my hands and i kind of maybe yell a little bit that's just kind of who i am When I coach a basketball team, I'm kind of like that. You know, it's just kind of, this is who God is. He just, it compels him to express unconditional affection. God will not love you more than he already loves you right now. And God will not love you less than he already loves you right now. Can you say that with me? God will not love you more than he does right now and God will not love you less than he does right now. Unconditional affection. And selective correction. Part of loving is desiring the best for the other person, right? And Jesus did this at the cross, but the way God communicates and loves us is when we start to fall away, when we start to go our own way, when we start to get off the path, so to speak, he is there the corrective measures to bring us back. Right? This is Parenting 101 also. Like, and it's amazing as I was studying this once again, like I've seen this in my own life. I know this for sure from my own experience, from those around me, but also all the data is saying that kids will tell you when they grow up that one one of the ways that they know they were loved is because mom and dad cared enough to discipline them, to correct them. That is a revealing of love. Amen? Please say amen. Because our world is like, got this upside down. Like big time. Like we 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 parent from a faulty philosophy where we want our kids to always like us. Amen? There were times I did not like my dad. And that is why I love him now. Because I realized as I got older, wow, you love me enough not to allow me to continue to have those attitudes or to continue in that action because you saw you're going to destroy your life, Chip. You don't get that right now. That means a lot of consequences later. And so he brought discipline, reproof, correction into my life. And there were times it was not good between me and my dad, right? Like I did not like him sometimes. And yet today I love him and one of the reasons is, is because I see, wow, that was really a loving father. If he doesn't set these guidelines up for me, if he doesn't discipline me or correct me, I'm not here today. And this is how God, like Hebrews says, God disciplines those that he loves. It's proof of love is selective correction to provide the highest and best quality of existence both now and forever for the objects of his love. And so here's just the indicators. Maybe these lights will go off on your spiritual dashboard today. Maybe they're off right now. Maybe some of them are blinking. <laughs> I do know that if my tire light starts blinking, I better get off the road right then because she's, she's way down. And for some of you, it might just be on. For others of you, it might be blinking. And this is where I think that the scriptures bring us to in understanding this unconditional affection, lavish love that the Father bestows on his children. And are you and I experiencing it on a daily basis? Have we received it into our life by faith? Have we allowed it to become the core of our existence And here's the indicators of you and I needing this in our lives. It's in ideas or things, the realities of insecurity. Insecurity. How many of you have been insecure? Every one of us. We live in a culture that is driving us Two insecurities. You can't go into Walmart without feeling insecure, right? Walk by the magazine rack. Oh, I'm not as powerful as that person. I don't, I'm not as wealthy as that person. I don't look as good as that person. I'm not as valuable. I'm not on a magazine. Right? It's imaging and the 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 conditions, the cultures are what we value, right? much as I love sports, we value athletes to an abnormal part of our society. And what do we tell people? You are more valuable if you are a professional athlete, right? And so for the rest of us who are not professional athletes, although I stayed at a Holiday and Express last night so maybe I will be, no. We're just like, we live with the insecurity, right? The world is always, you don't have this kind of money, you don't own this business, you don't drive this car, you don't have this house, you don't, you don't, you don't. And our world is built on driving us toward comparison insecurities. And I would tell you that one of the indicators of are you and I experiencing the love of the Father in our life on a consistent basis is where is your level of insecurity? Because to live every day knowing that I am lavishly loved by the Father, that it's the core of my existence is his love in my life, that I am special, I am redeemed, he fashioned me exactly the way I am. I don't need to look like something else. I don't need to have something else. I am completely how the Father wants me to be. Is that which chases away our insecurity level being too high. I'm not gonna be unreasonable here and say that not any of us are always going to be tempted to struggle with insecurities. Okay? But if I'm living my life Completely insecure, or with insecurities that are robbing me of joy, peace, contentment, then the thing I need more than anything else is to just saturate myself in the love of the Father. I need to engage the reality that He loves me and I am beloved. What about this? Here's another indicator. No longer going from our head to our heart, the love of God creates, when I'm living in the love of God, I no longer have to compare myself. The comparison game starts to drift away. It's chased away by the love of God. It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't have to compare myself in my, I'm getting to be 40, right? So I'm doing all this introspection in my life. Well, guess what can happen very easily? I compare myself to other 40 year olds, right? Where am I at in my life? Where are they at in their life? Where am I, all this, 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 this. I begin to live just living this comparison game. Because if I'm not deeply settled in the love of the Father and the love of God on my life, His provision, His plan, His will, His how He's created me and led me and whatever, then it's easy to live a comparison game. And that comes up on my dashboard. I'm always looking around. I'm always discontent. I'm not satisfied because they have, I don't. I need to do this. If you're dealing with that, then the thing that you need most right now is to just come back and experience the love of God, this unconditional, indescribable love of Jesus Christ. Because when I live profoundly loved by the Father, I don't live in a comparison game anymore. The third thing is this. It quiets the drivenness in my life the idea that I need to accomplish more, the idea that I need to get to this next level, the idea I'm driven by my performance, all of a sudden I might be a personality that wants to continue to strive and do, maximize, but I'm not, I'm not any longer motivated by this, this, this um, the deficit in my life that I am not valuable until I accomplish this. No, I'm valuable because I'm loved by the Father and I'm experiencing what it is to be his child and so I don't need to reach another level to accomplish another thing, to achieve this. If it happens in my life through the providence and provision of God, great. If it doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm loved regardless. Amen? And I'm a driver. So this is speaking to me. I want to. Am I able to not allow that to color my life, direct my or uh, affect my moods, interfere with my relationships? I'm grumpy. I'm irritable because I've I have i not accomplished what I want to, and so my family gets, you know, the brunt of me being uh, frustrated. Well, that's chased away if I live in the love of God, knowing that I'm loved, He's providing, I'm taken care of, I am. There's nothing I can do that makes him love me more, or nothing I can do that makes him love me less. I'm his. I don't need to achieve more to earn more. And so often that's our own standards we set on ourselves, and we need to lift our self standards and live by God's standards. Amen. The last thing is this. This is, all gonna, this is gonna get all of us. Living in the love of God at the center of my life removes unbelievable fear. What is it the scripture says? Perfect love. God's love, unconditional love. He's perfect love. Does what? Somebody finish it for me. I hear you, it casts out what? Fear. Fear. How are you doing with the love of God? Well how is fear in your life? How, how is anxiety in your life? How is worry in your life? Because the antidote to fear, worry, and anxiety is allowing his perfect love to permeate my heart, and my mind, and my heart, and help me to grab a hold of. I'm okay. I'm taken care of. I don't need to fear. I'm in his hands. He is in control. And I don't have to live always anxious or fearful. And you gotta realize, some of you know me. Some of you are in my small group. This is a rubber meets the road issue for me. Like, I am prone because of my personality, driven, whatever, and control, want self-control. Guess what people who want control deal with? Fear! Fear of losing control! Right? I can't control, every, and so I'm fearful. And just the Lord has been pressing in my heart again this week, son. Uh, yeah, there's, 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 there's ways to to redirect my thoughts. There's ways to redirect our anxieties, our fears, but they all are primarily focused on one thing. I am God's child. I am taken care of by the Heavenly Father and I just need to grow more and more in experiencing on a daily basis the love of God in my life. That's the antidote. And so if your dashboard is flickering when I talk about fear, yep, it's right there. For some of you, it's like this, you know. This went from yellow to red. Or anxiety or worry. That indicates to us, I need to deeply saturate myself in this concept that I am loved by the Father, and I need to receive this by faith into my life and allow it to become at the core of my very existence. I am His beloved. He is going to take care of me. And I don't need to worry or fret. So there's a lot of things that could be said about the love of God. But I just wanted to take a few moments to intellectually speak to your mind and pray that each one of us will take what we know and experience it in our hearts and live a quality of life that God always intended for us to live. A life of, you know, the confidence you get from being loved? I mean, the confidence I have because Nicole loves me, it, it, it's, it's crazy, It's built into my life a sense of peace, of contentment, of confidence. Think about the love of our Heavenly Father. What that can do to the quality of life for us to experience this day in and day out. That's what he calls us to. God is love. He loves unconditionally. And he calls for us to experience that. Father, it's kind of a talk, not a sermon. Lord, my, my hope is that each one of us, would once again, as we're reminded for the 1500th time that you love us, but Lord, we would realize that it can very easily just be head knowledge. And that it is a struggle for us as human beings to really grasp a hold of, and by faith embrace the idea that God loves us, and we don't have to earn it. We don't have to. It doesn't matter our shame, our guilt, how unlovable we feel, how unworthy we feel. None of that matters with you. You love us in a way that chases all that away. And Lord, it's hard for us to do that. We want to earn it. We want to. We want to. Um, we want to be deserving of it. And yet. You call us to just by faith embrace it and allow it to come into our life. As Paul prayed, he prayed that we might experience the love of God, the breadth and the height and the depth and the width of it. That was his earnest prayer. I just pray that you know more and more how much God loves you, that it will grow in your mind and your heart in such great ways that it would chase away doubt and fear anxiety it would chase away insecurities it would chase away comparing uh, ourselves to other people it would chase away all of these things our performance mindsets to just live at peace content every day that we are a loved child of God so Lord Grow us in this, and Lord, if our dashboard is showing some of these signs where they're, they're up, <laughs> insecurity, fears, worry, anxiety. Lord, help us to realize that the answer to that, the help to that is to consider who we are in Jesus Christ, to embrace the love that you have for us, your provision, your providence in our life, your care over us, Lord, your love for us, your direction in our life because you love us. Help us to rest in that and trust in that. And experience this abundant life, this quality of life that you always promised. Make it so I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we sing as we go? Father, pierce through our hearts and our minds in such a way that this is what we live with each and every day. I am loved. Because I am loved, God is going to provide. He is going to care. He's going to protect. He's going to lead my life and He's going to accomplish in my life good things. Help us to live each and every day experiencing, engaging, receiving into our life the love of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.